Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Batter listeners welcome back to a pot of their own this is episode 153 of a pot of their own i am allison mccaig and i am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts linda surovich hello linda hey allison and maggie wiggin hello maggie hi allison um so in ca- we wanted to start out with a programming update um in case it, there's not really much of an update from the last update but i wanted to make sure that folks uh didn't miss the previous update um, we, this is officially our last podcast affiliated with Amazing Avenue and SB Nation. Um, do not panic. If you are subscribed to us, this does not really mean anything for you. You will continue to get the show on the current feed that it's already on, but it will look different. Um, and it may sound a little different, uh, in terms of the ads that you get and things like that. But that is because we are going independent of SB Nation. Um, because SB Nation um, cut a bunch of the uh, podcasts um, from its network, including nearly all, if not all, of the MLB podcasts, including ours um, and all of the Amazing Avenue shows. So this will be the last show that you will hear from us where we will be affiliated with Amazing Avenue. Our logo might look a little different um, in the future, 
Um, but if you subscribe to the podcast already, you'll continue to get it. There will be a website. Um, it's not up and running yet, so I do not want to give you the URL yet. But once we have the website up and running um, where we, we will be posting the show, um, we will share that on all our social media. And for the time being, we will continue to share the episodes on AmazingAvenue.com. You will find our show there. Um, but we will no longer be officially affiliated with Vox SB Nation for the podcast. Um, Linda and I are still writers, contributors at Amazing Avenue. But yes, this is officially the last show um, affiliated with Vox and SB Nation. We are going independent. This is all very exciting. Um, and when we launch um, our independent podcast network on March 1st, you will hear a lot more news from us. So please stay tuned um, on all of our social media um, and you will hear a lot more about um, this new chapter, which we're really excited about. So stay tuned on that front. Um, but otherwise, uh, pitchers and catchers have reported uh, nature is healing. Pitchers and catchers in this economy? In the boat? <laughs> oh, um, more like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander in this economy? Um, they don't need but, a catcher. Just let him go. But indeed, we have seen both Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander throwing a bullpen at the same time, which is very exciting. Um, it, it's reminiscent of the Scherzer DeGrom bullpen from last season that everyone got excited about. But hopefully the results <laughs> will not <laughs> be the more, same. More longevity. Yeah. 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 Um, one can I, help. I mean, since I mentioned this, this is like later down in my notes, but I feel like I should mention it now. Um, Jacob Degrom in uh Texas Rangers camp is delayed in starting his spring training because of left side tightness, and this is a thing that I had a visceral, traumatic PTSD reaction to, even oh, though I know in my heart it is no longer a Mets problem. <laughs> I had the same reaction. It's like, oh no, wait. <laughs> it still made me sad though. Yeah. It is sad. It made me sad. It made me sad. And of course, I know the cool kids are not sad about it, but well, I'm I also, sad. I hate myself because, like, when I'm seeing everybody throwing, I still look for him. I know. It's sad. I like, I, it's, it's sad because baseball is worse off when Jacob deGrom is not healthy, period. Whenever any star in the game is not, is not healthy, baseball is worse off for it, is my point of view on things. So it's not doubly so when he's not pitching for a close rival to the Mets. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate, but I hope that this is just a bump in the road for Jake and, it was just the cold weather, like he said, and it'll be fine. Um, who knows? I feel like we've also heard that before. <laughs> oh, we've we've been down this road before. So even if I even if I have a a sad, like, you know, uh dreading feeling in the pit of my stomach, I hope it's fine. But we've we've all been down this road before. Um, and the only silver lining is that it's now no longer a road that the that met the Mets have to deal. And as far as we know, there have been no issues, knock on wood. Well, Carlos Carrasco uh, hurt his thumb or something, chopping vegetables. Yeah, yeah, very minor. Um, of course. Men should so stay out of that. the kitchen. <laughs> this is why you don't eat your vegetables. Vegetables are dangerous. Very scary. Go plow a field. Let your wife cook. Come on, man. <laughs> like, aren't you rich enough to afford to have someone cook for you? Like, <laughs> someone, a professional? 
Well, did we ever get to the bottom of Brandon Nimmo's chicken a few years ago? No, we did not. And I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, the the like the more serious side of this whole like Jacob deGrom thing is that, of course, it immediately prompted like three different pieces from the New York media being like, is Jacob deGrom the worst free agent signing of all time? And I'm like, oh, my God, can we please calm down? Chris <laughs> like John Davis Heyman still exists. Like John Heyman doesn't need to be writing this stuff anymore. Like, please move on. I beg. Doesn't really need to be writing anything. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just enough. Enough with this. Um. But yeah, uh, we are, it, it, as far as Mets camp is concerned, um, There obviously there's not much to talk about yet other than just like grainy cell phone video of, of pitchers throwing bullpens. But um, Billy Epler did have his first press conference. Um, we didn't really learn anything new from it. He did evade rather deftly a question about Darren Ruff by not answering the question. <laughs> uh, he said like a whole paragraph's worth of words, none of which were about Darren Ruff. Like that Sandy Alderson spirit coming through. It yes. really was. It really was. Um, the one like somewhat direct answer he did give was that he was asked about Francisco Alvarez. And he said that if Francisco Alvarez is going to be on the Mets, they're going to want him to get opportunities to catch. It's going to be as a catcher. He doesn't want Francisco Alvarez to be on the Mets if he's only going to DH. So that sort of continues down the trend that we had been seeing or like the early indicators that we have been seeing that um, it's more likely than not that Alvarez will begin the season in AAA. Um, at least it seems like like the Mets are sort of hinting that way. Um, but yeah, not really much to report from a uh, spring training perspective other than Carlos Carrasco's not green thumb. <laughs> oh, wait, no, Ruff is also hurt. Oh, yeah, Ruff is hurt. That's true. That <laughs> happened like an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and Marte. We learned a lot about we, Marte. Oh, yeah, we learned that Marte. I mean, he's not hurt no, but right now. Well. But we learned that in the offseason, Starling Marte had surgery on on both sides of his groin. <laughs> Which sounds painful. It sounds terribly painful. Oh, um, we also learned that Lindor had appendicitis last year. Lindor did. Yes, like throughout this, like through the whole season. chunk of the season. Yeah. 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 Playing for months with appendicitis sounds like really terrible. Didn't he call what it something wrong with something people? really silly, also, like it, the fart bubble or something? Yes, he called it the <laughs> fart bubble. Yeah. But also, like, that is so met. Like, that is, you never would have heard him saying that like when he was in Cleveland like that's that's that is a Mets specialty like playing through some kind of random medical condition that he didn't even know about we normalized appendicitis with Nady and Gary Cohen getting it within like weeks of each other yeah it's like and he he when he ultimately had surgery it was like when the Mets if the Mets had advanced like out of the first round of the play, it was like the week after the Mets got eliminated that he had surgery, and it's like, oh, so would he have kept playing until it like burst, and he would have had to be like rushed to the hospital, oh, like mid NLDS? Is that what we're? Is that what's happening here? Well, that was the thing with Marte too. He was not healthy at all. He oh, should yeah. not have been playing in the wild card, probably. No, not at all. It, it, like, half the team he- by that round was just was just a mess they were i mean 
look, would I would I trade my left arm to go back there and have them make it to the World Series? Yes. Were they a team that had any business being on two legs at that point? Not in particular. Well, that also it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference, but getting the first round by might have at least helped mm-hmm. some of them at least rest a little bit. Would have been nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Guess we'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I don't think we ever heard if Scherzer was healthy, but I don't think he was. He was. I don't think he was because he'd been injured like a few weeks before. Yeah. He and then he was after coming back. We're like, really? Okay, you're coming back. Got it. He admitted after the fact that his oblique was still bothering him. In the yeah, in- that it was an oblique, and he came back like a week later, and you're like, no, that's that's not. Yeah, that's not how obliques work. <laughs> Yeah, it was a pretty fast recovery for an oblique, and it showed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, even though, obviously, it's so besides Darren Ruff uh, and and sort of Carlos Carrasco, um, the, the team is pretty healthy, knock on wood. Um, unfortunately, we learned that these uh, that health issues for the Mets lately extend uh, past the roster to the broadcast booth Mm. um we've known Mm. for a while that howie rose was not well and he had been like you know having health problems and take and like taking on like less and less games and things like that um but we learned officially that he's been battling bladder cancer um which is really sad um but yeah uh like we his uh successor in the booth has been named um and so you know they have a plan in place but he is kind of stepping stepping more toward the background as he as he fights this and we wish howie the best of luck in his battle against bladder cancer um that was really sad to learn uh, a couple weeks ago um and he had been keeping it sort of under wraps that he was dealing with this um but yeah we hope that he recovers. Um, He's the voice of the Mets. Like the on on field ceremonies are always him too. Yeah, it's certainly going to be different without him. Yeah, um, hoping for the best for yeah, for unselfish reasons and also for selfish ones. Yes. Yeah. Um, but. Um, on the TV booth side of things, um, Keith Hernandez will be back <laughs> for the for we. I know that there are a few of you out there who were worried about this. I was never really worried about this. Um, it, it, it was seems always like- whether or not he would be able to skip ninety games or hundred ten games. Right, <laughs> I feel like was the key negotiation point. Right, like I mean. Listen, like he and SNY kind of have it out every time his contract is up and then he like threatens to walk away until the last moment and then they reach a deal. And that's kind of what happened this time. I mean, it would not surprise me, though, if this is the last contract that Keith Hernandez has and then he steps away after this three year contract that he now has with SNY is up because, you know, like it's clear that he's kind of over it. (laughs) Um (laughs) And he's not getting any younger. Um, and he, I think he's just done. And I don't and blame fair. him. Like he's been doing it. It'll it'll be past twenty years by the time, um, this contract is up. So you know, he didn't play baseball for twenty years or just barely for twenty years. So like, 
that's it's a long time. Um, and I imagine that they would probably have him stick around in some sort of like Ralph Kiner-esque role. Yeah. But yes, like, happy, happy to have him confirmed officially. Yeah, I'm glad we'll at least get three more years of Keith. That's really good to hear. Well, and the um, whole booth together, too. Like, the rapport between the three of them is what is, makes it. Yeah, it's yes. what makes it the best booth, the best in the biz, as they say, for sure. Um, But yeah, I'm glad we'll have Keith back for another three years. I And, like... I the one of the reasons that I wasn't worried about this is just because like you guys really think that Keith Hernandez would just like walk away without any fanfare, please. No. He wants a farewell tour and he He's will, gonna have a two season long farewell tour. I don't know how it'll it. happen, but it will. He will like there will be like all sorts of uh pomp and circumstance and he deserves it. <laughs> but I don't Keith is not the kind of guy who will go go away without pomp and circumstance. Absolutely not. Um but yeah, someone who did go away without pomp and circumstance though <laughs> um is Bryn Alderson was rather unceremo- <laughs> rather unceremoniously uh yeeted from the front office the um, boy uh, there is that that relationship between cohen and alderson is is feeling mighty frosty these days yeah that yeah. went downhill quick yeah that, i'm um, referring of course to sandy alderson in that um in that sense yeah it was rather abruptly um uh reported um like the 9th of February that suddenly Bryn is not an assistant GM anymore. And then like an hour later, Bryn Alderson is no longer with the organization period. And it was like, who baby, um, you know, I last podcast we talked about the, I, I, I tried to like beat around the bush a little bit by talking about certain process guys in the Mets front <laughs> office and their, you know, um, their thinking surrounding the Correa situation, uh, potentially talking Steve Cohen down off of the Correa deal and the ramifications that that might have um, vis-a-vis potential future deals like with Shohei Otani or Manny Machado or whoever, what other uh, other big contracts Steve Cohen might want to give out in the future. Um, tried to beat around the bush and be coy about it, but... Uh, this is what I was talking about. <laughs> um, in case there's bad. any, uh, in case there's any lingering doubt, uh, I think that this kind of puts that to bed as to who the people who were uh, opposite Cohen on the Correa situation were, um, and what the result of that is. Well, Cohen even admitted is well that he's kind of flexing his muscles more saying they don't need a president of baseball operations and he's getting involved and i kind of feel like they don't either i mean if he's gonna be a hands-on owner then like then that's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen yeah right right. and a lot of differing opinions yeah and it's one thing to say like oh well he shouldn't be a hands-on owner and like go ahead and have that argument and best of luck with it but like cohen is who he is and seems like an odd fit to try to get a president of baseball operations into that dynamic. Yeah. I mean, Cohen out and out said that like Sandy Alderson is not operating as team president anymore. Like he's basically doing it himself. Um, He's sitting, he's, he's literally taking a day off per week 
from his hedge fund to do Mets meetings to like be team president of the Mets. So sure, <laughs> I think more fun than a hedge fund. <laughs> in my opinion, I don't know how Steve Cohen feels know. about it. I think he probably has more fun with the Mets than with his hedge fund, but I don't know. Some people are sickos. Some people are true sickos, and he is. <laughs> One of the sickest. He's one of the sickest. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you don't you you don't get to be a finance bro of that magnitude unless you're a sicko. Yeah. Um, but like it is clear that a changing of the guard is happening, and Cohen is uh is changing out the old regime to bring in his people. He, I mean, he already did that with Billy Epler is his, his hire. Um, and you know, there, but there were still even, you know, even under Epler, there have, there were still plenty of, and still are plenty of holdovers from the Sandy Alderson era of GMing. Um, and I think that we're going to slowly see them cycle out, um, and Epler Cohen people are going to replace them. It won't happen all at once, but we, we can already see it happening. Um, and it will continue to happen. There there are still holdovers that will get replaced probably without really any fanfare or they'll like Andy Tacoma will tweet one thing about it. We'll get an Andy Martino tweet about it, maybe, but that'll mm-hmm. be it. Um Well, and also yeah. they desperately need some stability to some long-term stability in the front office. Because last year they missed out on free agents because of all the turmoil. So if Cohen's going to, you know, take the reins and, you know, make sure everything's settled for this foreseeable future, I mean, he's going to be the one constant always. So he might as well be involved at this point. Yeah. Um, Bye, Bryn Alderson. Goodbye, Bryn. Was it Bryn or was it just a weird way to spell Brian? I could never figure Uh, it out. It's Bryn, I think. Okay. I think it is Bryn. Um, we hardly so, knew you. We hardly <laughs> knew you. So speaking of things that the old regime did, um, we learned today that uh, f- that former Mets pitching coach Phil Reagan is suing the team for age discrimination. So he has filed a lawsuit uh, against the Mets uh, alleging age discrimination. Um, He served as the uh, interim pitching coach for the Mets from June 2019 um, in uh, in the immediate aftermath of Dave Island's firing. Uh, Reagan was the pitch. It was the interim pitching coach. Um, And if it jogs your memory, not to like weigh in on the merits of the case, but he's the one that everyone was joking all the time about how old he was. Because he really, what? Not that there's anything wrong with that. He was the one who was quite aged. Yeah, and and people like it wasn't just like jokes about his age. It was like he also like drank like twelve cups of coffee a day, and people used to like joke about that too. He was a um, funky dude. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, he he was eighty two years old at the time, um, and. You know, he claim he claims in the suit that Brody Van Wagenen, then GM, um, said that uh, he he was not being asked to return because he was too old, basically. Um, Which, like, it's one thing if you're cracking jokes at your own expense or whatever about your age. It's another thing. Or a bunch of randos on Twitter who don't sign your paycheck. (laughs) 
It's another thing when it's your actual employer doing an age discrimination. Um, yeah. We will see what comes of it, if anything. Um, and we will continue to keep you appraised. But this is very much a, like... Blast from the past. Yeah, like a Lolmets like, holdover <laughs> situation. <laughs> and he was doing a decent job, too. He was fine. Let's be fair, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, for Brody to just come flat out and say, we want a younger pitching coach and Jeremy Hefner, like, you can't say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. No one ever accused Brody Van Wagenen of being overly thoughtful about anything. <laughs> I mean, Real like... thinker, that one. Yeah, this is this, like, again, this is all concurrent with, like, the Mickey Calloway stuff, like... This is, yeah, this is just uh, previous regime stuff coming back to bite us in the present day. Um, just more and more evidence mounting by the minute, even retroactively, that the Mets were a clown show. <laughs> and toxic. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy that Jeremy Hefner is the pitching coach now and he seems to be doing a great job. But, like, that was not the way to go about that. <laughs> Telling no. the guy that he's fired because he's too old. You could just, you know, easily say we're going in a new direction or something. Bring in some fresh perspectives. Yes. There are some ways to say it more tactfully. We're looking for someone with TikTok experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or technology or analytics. Like there's, there's. You think, like we said, there's ways to BS your way. And out. we're not saying we're not saying that y'all should or anyone should do an age discrimination. No, 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 no. But it does. It is like that particular cross section of stupid and immoral is definitely like a key theme of that era of the Mets. Yep. Um. So speaking of the Mets being a clown show, although like. It's since been revealed that maybe it's not quite as clownish. It's like the situation's still very unclear to me. So we found out that um uh, when when the when the roster of um of spring training invitees was was dropped, Khalil Lee was on the list. Um which was not welcome news at all. Okay. Um so it seemed as if at the time, and it was reported as such, that Khalil Lee got an invite to Major League Spring Training, which, you know, there is absolutely no reason for that. Um, that is, that's different than, uh, don't get me wrong, and we're going to talk about this later, like, Mike Clevenger should be gone from the White Sox today, yesterday, should be gone, but... At least in the White Sox case, they can claim that until the investigation is over, they cannot recoup salary. They cannot cut him and recoup salary from it. Whereas if they wait things out and then they cut him, they can maybe recoup some salary. There is no like baseball reason or financial reason or any sort of reason for Khalil Lee to get an invite to Major League Spring Training. Um... I said at the time that this was not simple indifference of them not caring. This is spiteful. That is an active choice that you make to give a guy a major league invite who has as much of a chance as making the team of making the team as I do. Inexcusable. 
Yeah. But it has since been reported that he is apparently reporting to minor league camp instead. Now, you know, there's an argument that he shouldn't be there at all. All they had to do was release him after DFAing him. Right. Yeah. But they did not want to do that. Then this is where he would naturally end up. Yeah. Um, At least they're not going through the... At least they're not putting him on the uh, at major league camp and like under the illusion that like he might actually make the team which that was never going to be the case regardless of these accusations against him but even inviting him to camp at all major league or minor league is a choice that the Mets are making that I don't agree with he should be home he should not be anywhere near the team right now and yet I mean I know again like I know that there are issues with the players association and the the player if he if there is an active investigation that is not yet wrapped up and the player see it like sees an action that the team makes as punitive against him he can file a grievance but to that I say let Khalil Lee file a grievance what do you lose if you yeah. lose the grievance like what do you lose then? You're in the same situation. Maybe you have to pay him some money. Whatever. Let him file a grievance. Good and luck with your grievance. Does he really admit why he's filing the grievance? Would he go that far? I mean, he would just probably say there's an active investigation. They don't know the results of the investigation. and They've taken punitive action. They know the results of his baseball career. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that's the thing is like... Like... The, he again, he does not have a chance of making the team. So if you don't invite him to camp, then like, anyway. So, but at least it's minor league camp. It, it seemed for a while like it was major league camp, and I was about to like lose my whole mind about that. But at least I only have to like be kind of mad, and I don't have to like see him all the time on my TV and stuff during the spring training games. Which is good, because we got other things to be mad about. Yes. Yes. We have to divide our focus. (laughs) Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm trying to alternate. The, my my. Uh, we have a lot to talk about on this podcast this week, and it's kind of a lot of like rapid-fire smaller things, and I'm trying to alternate bad things with good things to sort of like 
mix up the tone of the podcast so that we don't spend a huge chunk of it upset. So Keep we the just, vibes nice and balanced. We just yeah. went through a, a series of, you know, some sort of like Mets clownery. And now we'll go back to some positive things um, about players on the Mets um, and the good remind ourselves the good eggs that we do have around. And one of those is Mark Canna. Oh, Mark um, Canna, we love you. Yeah. We love Mark Canna He's very deeply. Um, so recently, a White Sox minor league player, um, Anderson Comas, uh, came out as, quote, proudly and happily part of the LGBTQ plus community. And Mark Canna made a tweet publicly supporting him, quote, tweeted that, um, you know, the screenshot that the White Sox posted of Anderson's uh, Instagram post where he came out. Um, and Mark Canna quote tweeted that and said yes and put a bunch of rainbow hearts, which was very, very, very nice to see. Um, met a Mets player, um, publicly supporting an out, uh, an out queer player. Um, oh, and I just wanted to shout out Taiwan Walker too, because he also supported him. I miss Taiwan Walker. No, and no. you know, and both of these guys have been vocal allies before yes. and have very like we're very much kind of the Mets faces of pride night and um so you know this is clearly a a cause that they are closely allied with um and that it you know it's it's really nice to see them get to uh practice that allyship in a public setting in support of a extremely courageous um minor league player who has um you know a hard road ahead of him even if he didn't come out and, you know, certainly it's not going to be easier for him now, but um, really proud to have a Met and a former Met, um, you know, on the right side of that whole situation. And, yeah. yeah. Baseball, if it's going to, you know, if we're ever going to make progress, it's going to have to come from the players and inside the clubhouse. So the fact that they publicly supported him is, you know, a nice refreshing change. 100%. And, and kudos to, you know, the White Sox for... Um, you know, on the team's Twitter account, yes, like yes. tweeting the screenshot and saying that they were proud. Um, so that's really nice to see. Um, and they certainly already got blowback from it. I mean, no shock there. The um, baseball community is what it is. And most of them don't listen to us. Um, you know, it, it was not a it didn't come without a cost in terms of uh people's opinions of the organization and of the player well and of course everybody was also saying was it coincidental that brooks really hit canna the next day and yes uh the next day in his live uh batting practice session brooks really hit mark canna with a pitch which inspired a lot of uh content <laughs> yes <laughs> um it was just a little too coincidental Hopefully Marcana inspires uh, other members of the Mets to be better people. Yeah, and maybe he should have a conversation with Brooks. Yeah, (laughs) that'd be nice. Um, But we wish Anderson the best of luck in his career. Um, We proudly support him and we're very excited. Um, uh, And and we admire his courage a great deal. Um, And we just hope that, you know, this is this is like, you know, the start of something. Um, he did that, say he wanted to serve as an inspiration for others. So, yeah, because statistically, I mean, we've talked about this on this podcast time and time again. Statistically, there are many more uh, queer players in the game. Just statistically, there have to be than 
then are out, <laughs> you know? Um, so hopefully um, this is a slow and it's moving way too slowly, but hopefully it's moving in the right direction to the point where um, guys feel comfortable um, coming out. And we, and like, we have to do the work as fans and as the baseball community to foster that environment. It doesn't just passively happen. We have to do the work. Um, and I'm glad that Mark Canna and Taiwan Walker and others are doing that work. Um, so we we alluded to um, Steve Cohen a little bit and we talked last week or well, two weeks ago, last pod, um, about Steve Cohen's spending and how that is, you know, giving the o- other owners agita um, and how it might affect um things down the line um and we started to get a a taste of that um of of the domino effect um just in the past like week or so um we learned recently um like two days ago evan drellich of the athletic reported um that major league baseball created an economic reform committee um less than a year after the uh, new collective bargaining agreement, MLB owners are already pissed off enough that they want to talk about making, quote, major changes to the economic structure of the game. Um, obviously, this is just like making a committee. Um, anybody who knows when the government makes committees, <laughs> as someone who works in government, anyone who knows when the government makes committees, that doesn't necessarily have an impact right away. It's just that it's an exploratory committee to assess the readiness of the committee making committee to consider a committee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but this is like a prelude to actual consequences, right? Um, of this. Um, obviously the new CBA, the current CBA is in place until 2026. So there's nothing that they can do about it (laughs) until 2026. Um, but this is, this was precipitated by basically two things. Um, one Steve Cohen spending and the, like, not just Steve Cohen, but a general schism that is starting to form between the owners that are willing to spend and the owners that are not willing to spend, um, and, uh, you know, people will use euphemisms for that and call it like new age owners versus like the old school owners, which is basically like, you know, a euphemism for like dudes who are not listening to our collusion. <laughs> like we all agree to wink, wink. Don't you know, Steve Cohen and others that if this is how we do things in baseball. If they've signed a major star in the last 10 years, they are the bad guys. And everyone else right. is right. the regular. Right. But like um, Steve Cohen said, he's playing within the rules. He hasn't yeah. done anything. Which is why they want to change the rules, Linda. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, look, he pays he's pays like a whole team's payroll worth, worth of, taxes. of taxes that other teams then get to take home and sit on. And that's why deep down, they don't actually want to change things all that much because no. this system benefits them quite a lot because it doesn't force them to pay anything. Um, this, this economic reform committee is the smaller market owners way of putting out the feelers for push the push for a salary cap. It is talking about talking about a salary cap to see how it will be received 
by others? And the answer is not well. The 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 players union is never going to receive that well. Um, the only and- way they would consider it would be if there was also a salary floor. And that is especially what these owners don't want. Right. Because like, that's they the thing. like they would they they would be fine if everybody was as terrible as they were. But this next best thing is that they get to spend no money and never win and pocket all of the the you know competitive balance money and the Mets go and win and pay all the tax <laughs> into the payroll taxes and that's that. Like that's, you know, what do they have to complain about? That's the thing. The Orioles and the Rockies and the Rays and the A's, none of these none of these teams actually want a salary cap because that will almost certainly come with a salary floor and whatever the salary floor is set at would be way higher than like at least half the what half the teams are currently paying in payroll um it's going to be because the last time i mean we have precedent for this fight it was that was the basis of the 1994 strike um was they fought over trying to the the owners trying to put a cap and the the salary floor that was proposed at the time was like 100 million dollars or something like that Imagine what it would be now. <laughs> uh, I don't think the uh, whatever the A's are paying in payroll, the like $40 million payroll A's, I think it's even less than that, sadly, want a $150 million payroll floor. Now do they? Yep. Not even if they get to fund it with Steve Cohen's tax money. Exactly. Because it still comes out of their pockets. So to them, that's them losing money. Even though it was never theirs really to pocket to begin with. Oh, but they will happily continue to pocket it and then claim that they're too broke to sign anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but the pandemic. We never recouped our losses from the pandemic. Ugh. Open the books. Open yep. the books and show us. Prove show it. Us. Prove it. I will shut my mouth forever on that if he, any team opens their books and just demonstrates convincingly that they are legitimately suffering financially but even if the team itself is suffering financially the owners can just put more money into the franchise they're all billionaires right yeah of course like i mean steve cohen admitted um steve cohen talked recently about and and we kind of mentioned this on the last podcast we talked about how this this spending spree that he went on or the current levels of payroll that he's operating at, which are unprecedented, are not meant to be forever situations. He is operating at, he said, a a like slight loss right now to keep the team competitive in the short term so that he can so that the team can be set up for long term success once the farm system is sufficiently uh, putting forth a steady uh, pipeline of talent that can then he can afford to cut back payroll a little bit more because the Mets will have more of a mix of um of homegrown players and we won't be having to the Mets won't have to be plugging holes um via free agency by spending uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to pay Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, and Jose Quintana. Instead, they can plug one or two of those holes with um talent coming up from the farm system. Um, but until then, 
Steve Cohen is doing the right thing and filling those holes with free agency uh, in free agency so that the Mets can stay competitive and spending a lot of money to do it, even though it's not the permanent solution. Um, you know, but other owners will never think about it this way. Spend my personal money on my baseball team that I bought? God forbid. The humanity. How dare you even suggest it? Sorry, Ugh. my investment property? It's one baseball team, Michael. What could it cost? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, make no mistake. If if they really are trying to set up for a fight to institute a cap and perhaps also an accompanying floor, that will cause that will make the the Oof. lockout look like child's play. Mm-hmm. That will cause a full blown strike and a potentially lost season of baseball entirely. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I. I think that the we are regardless of whether like they're trying to actually fight for the cap specifically. I think that um, the next CBA fight is setting up to be a really really nasty one. <laughs> um, Does seem pretty likely. Uh, but yeah. Um the the other um the other sort of arm of this besides like payroll, Steve Cohen, uh spending owners versus not spending owners is uh like i said the other thing that sort of precipitated this economic reform committee um is is the um regional sports networks issue um and uh we talked about this on the last podcast the pending bankruptcy of bally sports diamond sports group uh of which bally sports is a subsidiary um the update from the last podcast is that it has moved from likely to happen to like actively happening hasn't happened yet but they have announced that they're like basically not going to make their debt payments and that is a precursor to filing chapter 11 um and to be fair this is a actually a much greater threat to to these smaller market teams than steve cohen's existence yes exactly because it's not any of the big market teams that are on valley sports network it's a lot of the smaller market teams that are on Bally Sports Network. <laughs> well, Manfred swears he has a plan, so we all know we can trust Manfred. <laughs> well, Rob um, Manfred? <laughs> <laughs> Rob? Um, so, yes, uh, as Linda alluded to, Rob Manfred spoke to the media about this and said that if Bally Sports fails to make its payments to clubs, then the clubs will terminate their agreements with Bally Sports, at which point the league would look to distribute the games itself. It is unclear what that will look like. Um, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows. But <laughs> this this whole like slow death of regional sports networks has the chance to really change the structure of the game a lot, which is part of why this economic reform committee is happening. Um, And may, I mean, from a fan perspective, it may be a very bumpy road to get there, but from a fan perspective, it may ultimately be a good thing because it may lead to the end of blackouts. Um, Because I was afraid that it would just lead to more streaming. It like, is going to lead to more. Shit. But yes, I mean, <laughs> well, maybe like 25 apps just to watch the meds. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I think that's what's going to I think that's what's going to I mean, I think that's why they're like flailing around desperately, like trying any possible uh, streaming and alternate um, deals outside of cable, because really, like they know that this is a house of cards and um, that they're not going to be getting like hundred million dollar 
deals with cable companies for the most part. You know, I think like companies like SNY are probably in better standing than some others. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I think for the vast majority of markets, like it's just going to be a different, a very different landscape. Yeah. Um, because the Mets and SNY and like the bigger market teams in general are safer either because the team itself owns the network in the Mets case it's complicated because the Wilpons still own SNY although like you know Mets adjacent people own SNY um but Cohen is trying to eventually own SNY but um other teams other big market teams like the Mets like the Yes Network for example the Yankees own so like that is those are like quote-unquote safe because like the team itself owns its own sports network or owns its own like tv network um and that's the case for a lot of the bigger market clubs or the regional sports network the club is a part of is like a part of a like more stable one than uh than bally sports um and is not being bought out by like sinclair for tax buybacks or stock buybacks or whatever um so, but yes, I think Linda is right. This will lead to more streaming, but it might end end with no, like it might end blackouts. Um, you might need fifteen apps, but you won't be blacked out of anything. <laughs> Plus, um, the most fifteen is- apps will get you all the games. And like, honestly, I mean, and this is probably my generational bias showing, but like, look, if I can, if it takes fifteen apps, I'll get fifteen apps. But like, I just want to be able to stream baseball. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I don't want all these freaking apps. Just, uh, I'll have. Oh, them. I don't want them, but I want the baseball, and that's the price that I will pay to get all the baseball. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you, Maggie. I mean, as an out of market fan, right? Like, I like blackouts hurt me a lot because I, I can't get SMY on cable. And if whenever the Mets play the Nationals or the Orioles, uh, that I am blacked out of those games. I have to watch Masson, which is its own like region regional sports network hot mess between the Nationals and the Orioles. Um, safe from this Valley Sports clownery, but you know, its own mess. Um, and I don't want to have to watch Masson all the time. So if like I can just get a, a an app that like I won't be blacked out of those games anymore, then that'd be great. Um there's also been discussion of like some sort of tiered model for MLB TV where like if you pay a higher subscription price for MLB TV, you just don't get blackouts anymore, Um, which would be an interesting way of doing it. I don't know. Like, again, where when we're in this sort of limbo where some of the regional sports networks have ceased to exist, but others haven't. I don't know, like, how that's going to work exactly, Um, but we'll see. But this is like it's a pretty big shakeup because um, I think when we talked about this ballet sports thing last time, it was something like 16 clubs are affected by this in some way, um, which is a crazy number. A lot of a lot of local networks are ballet sports and it isn't just MLB either, by the way. Um, it's NBA, it's NHL, like ballet sports covers a lot of different um, regional sports networks. So uh, more on that as it develops. Um, But speaking of some of these other owners, um, every week, I swear, we have we have more for our recurring segment. I took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason. I can only fail up. 
this week is the week of John's. Every every owner quote I have this week is from someone named John. <laughs> I did not realize there were so many Johns. It seems like the quote from Men in Tights, you know, <laughs> where all the toilets in this fair land shall be called John. <laughs> Trash. Shall be called. John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good name for a toilet. So there in hell are toilets, our MLB toilets. Um, so John. first up, first up in our week of John's, we've got Orioles owner, John Angelos, a recurring character on this, on this segment, um, saying that projecting payroll is quote, not his job, which buddy, I think, uh, I think projecting payroll is, uh, your job hmm. as CEO and chairman um, of the Orioles. Come again? What is his job? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that was the I like man I would have paid a journalist in that moment to say do you hear how we would have said it yeah someday yep it's yep the full quote is um we have a very young team that's overachieved and overperformed because of the great work of our baseball folks it's not my job to predict payroll my job is to make sure that the community partnerships are sustained and I think all of that comes after that thanks John Good work. Community partnerships is apparently his job. Not projecting. Great words. Awesome words, John. Um, All right. Next, John. Uh, We've got John, John Henry of uh, the Boston Red Sox. And I quote, there's been a false narrative that we somehow stopped spending completely unsupported by the facts that we no longer sign free agents that we are uninterested in or incapable of winning despite our track record. I don't think anyone realizes that there are 30 teams in these sports every year that are all doing everything they can to win in a particular Ooh. year. Some clubs are criticized because they aren't quote going for it when they are going for every single thing that they can short of destroying their futures to win. You always have to keep an eye on the future. And every team, maybe not the Mets, though, has a budget. <laughs> it's so easy to fall as we did in 2022 to mediocrity. We need to make changes, but we haven't lost our way. <laughs> Does he think we're stupid? Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's definitely part of it. And also, he doesn't care. Mm, true. It's a combination of like, they're probably dumb enough to just believe whatever I say. But also, if they don't, what does it matter? Yeah, it costs me nothing. There's a false narrative that we've somehow stopped spending, said the franchise that traded Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. And didn't re-sign Xander Bogarts. Yeah, like, there was only some way to quantify numbers. Yeah, if only there were some way. Completely unsupported by the facts. Okay. I would like to you meet I would like you to show me these facts. That are supporting your argument. In the last five years, there, John. This is public information, John. And I feel like you could almost, you could almost let him make that argument for the Red Sox. But then when he starts talking about all the other teams who are always trying to win, like, wow, buddy, wow, every team is doing everything they can to win, guys. No, win the dollars per war championship. Yeah. Win the arbitration belt. Yeah, I was going to say the belt that they give out at the winter meetings. Oh, I think the Brewers get that this year, by the way, for pissing off their ace pitcher enough. Oh, my God. That's worth it. That's a special side note that's not a John, and it's not a a particular quote from the Brewers owner, but it is Brewers uh, cheap 
cheap skate uh, behavior. I mean, like, again, every team takes players to arbitration. Like, this is not like a Brewer-specific phenomena. But what is a Brewer-specific phenomenon is telling the player during his, your star pitcher, your Cy Young pitcher, during his arbitration hearing that it's his fault that your team didn't make the playoffs. Come again? That was special. I was like, oh, but how about, but you, you, you front office trading Josh, Josh Hader, that didn't have anything to do with it. No? Just Corbin. How are those extension talks going, I wonder? Oh, they offered him a very insulting extension before they took him to arbitration. Oh, he's out of there. Yeah. Oh, mega out of there. He might be, I mean, he might be out of there like sometime in the next few months. New York met by August. Hey. (laughs) Hey. I I would be okay with that. So would um, Steve Cohen. I mean, the Mets have to the Mets have to replace their uh, all their like cycle of, of pitchers becoming free agents every year somehow. Um, yeah. So yeah, the the Red Sox uh, think that they that the fact that they're no longer spending is a false narrative, and every team is actually trying every year. And the Mets are the only team without a budget. Everybody else has a budget, but they're trying. They're trying really, really hard. They're trying really hard. The Reds are trying really, really hard. That's true. Look, if they're going to make so up hard. these lies every all the time now, it is at least a little bit of a treat to have the Mets be like the wild spenders for you know in in this uh, in this comparison now. Like, I, I don't want this conversation to be happening at all. But at least it's like, ah, oh, look at the Mets <laughs> spending all their money. On all these good players, what's wrong with them? Yeah, That's a, it's a nice treat. All these like, it, like I love like all these men being featured in this in this new segment, like being mad at the Mets as the foil as the other side. Like, yeah, gives me life. Um, still but, a weird feeling to get used to. I'm not gonna lie. It is. Yeah, but this is this is our new reality. We are the we are the big baddies now. Love to see it. But we do have one good John to report, who has joined Steve Cohen on the side of the light, um, which is Philly's owner, John Middleton. Yes. John Middleton, we like him now. An excellent quote this week, which is, quote, no one cares about whether I make money or not. If my legacy is that I didn't lose any money owning a baseball team on an annual operating basis, that's a pretty sad legacy. It's about putting trophies in the cases. Preach, John. Yes, this is what we are here for. Thank you, John. <laughs> the one good John. The go one buy good some John. Lakefront property. If you're looking to see your investment bottom line go up, like yeah. it's a game. Like it is a game. Seriously, I, I, like John gets it. You guys, <laughs> John gets it. John gets it. Steve Cohen gets it. And like. I mean, John, th- that quote from Middleton is excellent. And Steve Cohen's been essentially saying more or less the same thing when he talks about how he made a commitment to the fans and he's spending what's necessary to fulfill that commitment. Um, and when he talks about a commitment to the fans, he means winning. <laughs> he means winning the World Series. That's what he means by a commitment to the fans. Um, so it seems like John Middleton and Steve Cohen are like two of the only owners that get it these days. I feel like Hal Steinbrenner said something similar but his actions, he says one thing and then does another because, I mean, they spent on Aaron Judge, but they're not like the Yankees of old where they spent so much They're still um, the Yankees, but... But quite. he even said it's better when people are spending money and trying to win, and he 
had nice words for Steve Cohen. So yeah, I don't think the Yankees are one of the teams that are mad at Steve Cohen. No. So I think they're okay too. Nor the Padres for that matter. I feel like they're another team that has been, um, to borrow a phrase, playing the game the right way. Um, and I, I think that some, one of, one of the like garbage GMs or owners was was whining about them recently oh it was the rockies we're like we can't all be the padres yeah like, yeah yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> we don't agree with what the padres are doing it's famously like, oh. filthy rich padres like and that's i mean you know obviously like the like dick monfort saying that about the padres is hilarious and stupid but I can at least actually sort of understand being mad about the Padres because if anybody is exposing the con uh, of of the way these owners are operating, it's the Padres, not the Mets, because the Padres are the ones unearthing, uh, like upending this whole like idea of like a small market team can't possibly compete. The Padres are a small market team. They are not a New York sized market. They are not. The, the size of the Mets or the Yankees market or the Dodgers market or the Cubs market or the Red Sox market. They are not a big market club. They are a small, they are a small to medium sized market club. If you want to use those terms, which I don't even like really to begin with small market kind of has ceased to have all meeting when these owners like abuse that term until it means nothing. Um, but if you want to talk about that, they are the true counter example. The Mets are just operating the way the Yankees used to operate, like using like their big market advantage. But if you want to talk about like, oh, we're a small market team, we can't possibly like the Padres are the counter example. The Padres are calling your bullshit. It's not the Mets any market can sustain a competitive baseball team. Any yeah. market. Exactly. If there is a if there is a baseball team there, a major league baseball team, they can field a competitive team. And when they don't, it's by choice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now the Padres are feeding into the revenue sharing rather than taking the revenue sharing. So funny how that works. Um, so we will move on to what we alluded to earlier um, about Mike Clevenger. Um, Mike Clevenger is not being put on administrative leave. So he is in White Sox camp, um, which... I've already talked about uh, my displeasure about that uh, and the way the White Sox have handled this whole thing, although the White Sox don't have the best track record um, as an organization in dealing with um, these sorts of things. So it's it's, you know, a disappointed but not surprised situation as usual. Um, But what kind of like exacerbates this is not just the teams not immediately kicking these abusers to the curb it's the way over and over that this is always covered by the media Mm. um and so you know jeff passan who's reporting you know he's a good reporter like he's good at his job but he he demonstrates time and time again that he doesn't seem to like care about this stuff at all um he like wrote an article about Um, the rule changes and we'll actually get to the rule changes separately, but um, about the way the, the rule changes and the pitch clock are going to affect like certain pitchers and the, and their deliveries and the balk rules and things like that. 
And he just like used Clevenger as one of the examples in his article. And in his tweet about the article, he just went, he just listed off a bunch of pictures from so-and-so to so-and-so to Mike Clevenger to so-and-so changes are coming for pictures. And it's like, you could use anybody else. Like you just like, but that's a choice you made to like, there are a lot of people. There's a lot of pitchers who are likely to be heavily affected by this rule change who haven't been credibly accused of abusing a baby. Like, almost all of them. Like, just... And, like, if it if it went out of his mind that quickly that he put Mike Clevenger in his article, then he didn't really care to begin with. I, like, I don't want to attribute malice to, like, in situations where it's just, like, incompetence or, like, indifference, but, like, it just feels like it's on purpose, you know? Like, all this stuff starts, like, every time this happens, it starts to feel personal. Like, it starts to feel like he's doing this shit on purpose for spite. Even if that's not true, it just, like, it starts to feel that way after a while. That these guys are just doing this on purpose. Like, you know, uh, not even 24 hours before that, Joel Sherman named Trevor Bauer the 10th most interesting person in baseball this year. He published like his 50 most interesting people in baseball and Trevor Bauer was 10. He's not even in baseball. Yeah. He he doesn't have a team. He's not playing baseball right now. Why is he the 10th most interesting player? What's interesting about him? He's a run-of-the-mill chud. There is nothing interesting about him. Like why he managed to be so utterly detestable to everyone around him that he has actually experienced a consequence from this. Right. Like and and like if if this if like his behavior has shown us anything it's that all he wants is attention and these writers are continuing to give him attention for free. He doesn't even have to work for it. Doesn't have to play baseball for it, that's for sure. They're handing him the attention he ordered. Yep. Here it is. Tenth most interesting person in baseball. And who'd he even like lump him in with? Because I would be offended if I was the other nine. I don't know. Oh, I, I imagine being a number 11. Yeah. Jeez, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even remember the rest of the list. I think Aaron Judge was like eight. Like <laughs> only two spots. <laughs> and part of the problem is trying to come up with that many interesting people in baseball. And sorry, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, but you know these abusers, these toxic men, keep getting attention, and and like you know this is obviously a far lesser degree of this, but in general, these these guys get chances where women and others wouldn't. For example. Um, Terry Collins was recently hired by the Marlins. Now, obviously, you know, we're we're a Mets podcast here. We know that the Mets have a history with Terry Collins, but he we talked about it on this show at the time that he made these comments um, in the aftermath of the Tyler Skaggs trial um, where Matt Harvey gave his testimony in that trial and talked about his struggles with the whole thing and. Terry Collins like basically like talked about his personal health information and his mental health crisis in a very flippant way publicly to the media, which was really messed up. Um, And we shat all over him for that on this very show. Um, And yet teams are continuing to like hire him in roles where he will like have influence over the organization and players and stuff like that. 
And it's Especially just like, the Marlins saying they want to change the culture. Like, what culture are you changing if you bring in Terry Collins, who's clearly not taking players into account? Right. It's just like, it's so frustrating. Obviously, this is like way less of a of an egregious thing than abuse. But like, again, like this is just a, the type of in, like the type of situation where like a woman in the same position, a person of color would not get the same deference or the same second chance that Terry Collins has gotten. Um, and that was shown uh, when, you know, we, we also recently learned that Katie Nolan and Melanie Newman were axed from the Apple broadcasts um, last year. Apple the uh, Apple TV broadcast games and Katie Nolan and Melanie Newman were on the broadcast teams and it was very prominently like a very like female heavy broadcast which I was like pumped about um but they were both axed and none of the men were um yeah and, and they weren't like like those broadcasts all needed some work yeah they were but, not good. yes but the emphasis the the specificity of who got cut and who didn't is um notable it's just very stark like and you know it goes beyond just the fact that i didn't think that they did a very good job although katie nolan mostly i think suffered just from a lack of confidence in the role um she just didn't speak a lot and like didn't like it's not her it's not her lane i guess um because she's very talented at what she does in studio um but it doesn't seem like you know play by play or color commentary is like her lane which is fair um melanie newman made a pretty offensive comment about she basically making light and making jokes about um minor league housing and the bad minor league situations and like joking about how many roommates they have it was in bad taste and we talked about it at the time on the show about how it was in bad taste um so it's not it's not that I'm saying that I think that these firings weren't deserved. It's more just like I'm using Terry Collins and Katie Nolan and Melanie Newman as like an an example of situations where women are not given the same second chance or the same deference to screw up as men are given all the time in the same like similar situations where they say something off collar and inappropriate. Um and yet it doesn't seem to affect them at all. And women are just like not brought back <laughs> when they do Where these the women probably also had to work twice as hard to begin with. Exactly. So it's just like frustrating to me um to see these double standards play out again and again. Um but on the bright side, again, switching off good and bad things. Um the Guardians have hired um Amanda Kamakona as the hitting coach for their academy in Arizona. She's the first woman to be hired by the organization in an on-field role. So that's really exciting. Yeah. I was going to say, that makes a few women that have been hired so far this season by teams. Yep. Moving yeah, the, the pace right is direction. definitely picking up. It is, yeah. Yep. So every time we see a woman hired in a, in a uh, high-up role in a baseball team, whether that's on-field or in front office... We're going to note it on this show because it's every every piece, every step, uh, step of progress is good. We like to see it. Um, But uh, so we are similar to our um, I took the for a form of a 45 year old man for a reason I can only fail up. 
uh, segment, we are introducing another new segment because this this is going to be a probably a recurring theme on this show. And I mean, like it's been a recurring theme in baseball generally. Let's be real. Um, we are but it's uh, enough that we needed a name for it. Enough that we needed a name, <laughs> and this name was uh, and Maggie came up with this name. Um, we are starting a new Astros segment uh, entitled trash bins all the way down <laughs> this is our new yes. astros clownery segment uh every time there's astros bullshit we're on it um so the latest astros bullshit is that and i mean this is a this is a problem that i mean a, a trend i guess i guess i shouldn't call it a problem in all cases although i'm not pleased about the trend um more and more teams are uh are have ad- are having advertising on their uniforms now like patches that are uh for brands uh which you know other sports do this like soccer jerseys are famously like just ads <laughs> like you know the front of the jersey doesn't even say the team's name on it usually the team's crest is in like the corner on the chest like on the chest and the the across the chest in big letters is not the name of the team it's the brand that it's the sponsor of the team um Baseball famously for most of its existence did not have branded um, uniforms, which was great. Um, It started off with the tiny Nike swoosh, which was annoying, but I could deal with it because like, you know, Nike manufactures the uniforms. So like, fine. And it's a swoosh. You know, ever since then, though, the price of jerseys have gone way up, though. Because now how much of that is Nike and how much of it is inflation, though? (laughs) It's true, but it's still annoying. And I like eggs and jerseys and you're broke for your rest of your life. Exactly. This is the real inflation crisis, as I tweeted recently, that jerseys (laughs) are $40 now. And garbage. And garbage. Yeah. Um, $40 tissues. But um, the Ashers recently announced earlier this month um, that they are uh, partnering with uh, Occidental Petroleum. Uh, and that is the I mean, they, they already, I think, partnered with them. But now the the like uh, Occidental Petroleum patch is like on the sleeves of the jerseys. Um, and it's this like cute little cute little name. Like, those, Oxy. like fake, Oxy. Yeah, that they like just one of those. It's almost like an SNL commercial where they take some like god-awful like pseudo-genocidal corporation and give it like the you know hello and kind of little exclamation point nice and friendly oxy just so that you forget that they killed like a whole lot of people i mean honestly it makes me think they're sponsored by like opioids which have also killed a ton of well see i was thinking of like oxy clean i was thinking bleach (laughs) well that that's the most uh innocent interpretation (laughs) Congratulations. But yeah, uh, Occidental Petroleum is best known uh, for their role in the 1998 Colombian Air Force cluster bombing of the hamlet Santo Domingo, uh, which killed 17 people, including seven children. Very cool. The Astros just find new ways to do it every time. Yeah. So the Astros are sponsored by literally Satan's oil company. Like... Like that's that's the Astros now. Like they're just just full mask off. Like not only are we known for the worst cheating scandal in baseball of the past hundred years, we're also sponsored by like a a uh, like cartoon villain oil company. <laughs> Very cool. We will be accepting um, guesses as to what the next garbage thing the Astros do. Um, 
It could be literal garbage that is open. Um, the prize for this is nothing at all, but we will think very well of you. I yes. guess like this smugness of being right. That's not nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. Bragging rights uh, and street cred are always uh, are always acceptable. Uh, we'll tweet it out. Prizes. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it's got to be a good guess. Like nothing like cheating. I don't want to hear about like that. That's you don't get credit for guessing, although that will be a segment if they do cheat again. Yeah. Um, it's got to be something really exciting and different, like partnering with a murderous oil company. Yeah. yeah I mean, Evan, Evan Drellich's book is out now, so it we're about to like learn potentially some new things. I mean, I don't think we're going to learn anything like hugely new about the cheating scandal from the book but like we'll learn new little nuggets there will be nuggets that may make their way onto trash bins all the way down next time around i wouldn't put it past them to be murdering puppies at this point yeah uh just a cartoon villain baseball club mm-hmm. um so as we alluded to um, when I talked about Jeff Passan's article that inexplicably included Mike Clevenger for absolutely no reason, um, there are a couple of rule changes that are going into effect in 2023 that we didn't know about uh, previously until recently. Um, the MLB uh, Joint Competition Committee voted unanimously to make the extra inning rule, a.k.a. the free runner, a.k.a. the Manfred man. Uh, permanent for all regular season games. We're stuck with it forever. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I hate it more than anything, but I had a feeling because oh, the, yeah. because yeah. the players really like it. The players and managers love it because the it media does. Likes it. it does do its intended job of shortening games. Um, I hate it with such a fiery passion though and i will never stop hating it even if i understand why players feel the way they do i am still entitled to be very angry <laughs> yeah, like, I, um, be salty. I think it was ted berg's idea where um each inning they have one fewer player on the field <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes that would be amazing <laughs> like strip poker just like strip baseball no, no, I mean, one away garment is, I mean, that also would be fine. I don't know <laughs> that it would end the game faster, but I'm okay with that. Let's keep talking about that one. What if, what if, um, what if you don't remove a fielder entirely every inning, but like one guy in the field has to not wear a glove? Like, there you go. Or just no go shoes. Full shoes. cricket, just go full cricket with it and... <laughs> Because you know the like hardcore like cricket stands say that American baseball is too easy because they get to wear gloves. Gloves make it so easy. And I'm like, yeah, because the ball is being hit like a hundred miles an hour harder. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and nothing, not to like nag on cricket, because that is crazy. But also like stay in your lane, cricket. Yeah, please, 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 Europeans, <laughs> stick to your own games. Like we know that we're we know that at least our men are bad at soccer. Like it's okay, you can have that. Um, but yeah, baseball's our thing. Um but so the the other thing, um, the other new sort of rule change that uh that we didn't know about before is that the the same joint competition committee voted to place limitations on posi- position players pitching. Boo. Um, I like this rule. Actually. No, I like, I, I, I... 
Give me wacky baseball. Give me wacky baseball. But you get wacky baseball. It just has to actually be wacky. Be wacky. Exactly. So the, the new the rule... bar for wackiness was way too low. Well, what way value too... does Darren Ruff bring now? So the new rule is that um, position players are only allowed to pitch one in extra innings, like any time. They can pitch in extra innings because obviously like at a certain point, your bullpen becomes depleted. So it, it's always allowed in extra innings in the ninth inning. When the team is leading by ten, when the the team that's up is up by 10 or more runs or any time when the trailing team is down by eight or more runs. So the difference between the teams has to be 10 in the ninth inning and eight runs at all other times. I am okay with this. And the reason why I'm okay with this is because teams like the freaking Dodgers were using position players to pitch when there was like a five run deficit. And to me, that is just like loser behavior. You're basically waving the white flag in a winnable game. And I think that that is incredibly lame and a terrible fan experience and loser behavior. And I'm glad that the league is stepping in to curb that sort of bullshit. While still allowing baseball wackiness, it just has to be like an actual blowout. <laughs> well, like, I don't know. Stop policing everything. Just let the game be the game at this point. Do we need rules for everything? Yes, it's baseball. Ugh. They do need rules for everything. I'm glad yeah. about this. I don't, I hate the extra runner. I always will. Uh, extra inning rule. I hate it. So I mean, there are teams. Yeah, no, that's the that's the one I would get rid of forever. But like, there are teams who would let the hot dog guy pitch if it would save them, you know, a hundred bucks in arbitration. No, look, but that's an actual rule in hockey. You can pick a guy out of the crowd to be your backup goalie if you lose both your goalies. That's fine. I want baseball to have a hot dog guy come in and pitch. How okay, would that I would say, I would say if the team is losing by ten or more runs. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like there should be like a hot dog guy sub rule <laughs> where all the other rules go in terms of like who can pitch and who can't go out the window if it is somebody from outside of the team, from like outside <laughs> of professional baseball. <laughs> then I feel like you should be able to do it anytime. And you know what? I don't think anyone would argue. No. <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> Podcast title, hot dog guy sub rule. <laughs> we've entered like I, I i'm gonna use a i'm gonna use a really bad basketball analogy and i'm going to expose my uh my horrific ignorance of ba of basketball but i feel like we've entered like okay i'm just gonna scrap that and use the baseball analogy we've entered the extra innings like portion of the show where we get like a bonus for the the, the name of the episode coming like from the almost the very end of the show <laughs> I was going to say we, we've entered the double bonus and I'm like, girl, you don't actually know what that means. Stop trying to do a basketball. <laughs> I, I just know that the double bonus is a thing. <laughs> double bonus. The the podcast name came from like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that, that, that was uh, we covered a wide range of topics. I'm like, Ooh. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Look, why did you say that uh, Scherzer has already said he's using the new pitch clock to his advantage? Yes, yes, yes. He did say that, which is, I love And it. he's been practicing because it was funny. He was letting the pitch clock run all the way down. And then Lindor stepped out on him. <laughs> <laughs> love that. 
Um, yeah, there was somebody on Twitter who who like threw out Scherzer as a pitcher who would not be happy about the pitch clock. And I'm like, give Max Scherzer any rule at all. And he will be thrilled because he's legitimately brilliant. Yeah. And they're all things that he can use to his advantage. He's and, so legitimately and he's, excited about it. He wants yeah. to use it to his advantage. So, and, yeah. And the mm-hmm. median intelligence of like, baseball players just because they're like jock dudes is like really not high so when you are well above the median you can really even more so like like they make other athletes on average look quite clever Um, (laughs) baseball players are sort of notoriously um good at other things besides intellect (laughs) um but yeah, and, and uh, obviously we we didn't talk about this in depth, but um, as the Passan article like alluded to, because of the pitch clock, which we already knew about, MLB will be you know enforcing the balk rules more, which is going to affect certain pitchers. We might get more Richard Blyer situations where you just get like three balks for like the tiniest flinch, and the pitchers are going to lose their cool. I think about this. <laughs> it is going to be a pretty hilarious adjustment. Yeah, there's there's going to be some it, Linda, if you want wacky baseball, oh, it's coming because of the pitch clock and these we're going to need a drinking game and the pickoff <laughs> rules and everything, the, the limiting the pickoffs. Oh, oh it's going to be, be nuts. wild. We'll see. I have a feeling there's going to be like it's going to be chaos and then there's going to have to be a rule change to the rule change because they didn't realize how bad it was going to get. No, I think they vastly underestimate like how chaotic it's going to be. And yeah, I'm very excited for the chaos. Um, Yeah. Anyway, um, while we are waiting for the chaos, we will end the show like we always do with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, So I had been planning a much overdue vacation uh, to New Orleans, where some of my very, very best friends live. Um, So this was like, this would be my first visit down there since basically I had you know, before I had kids. Um, and this be- was being planned for April 2020. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, boy. And so the walk-off win part of all that is that it's actually happening now, three Yay! years after the overdue vacation. Also, like, not even my first trip to New Orleans um, since before I had kids, but, like, my first vacation as a human being without children, Um since then (laughs) so um so yeah so that's just like coming together um i will probably not be on the next episode because i'll be in an airport um and yeah just like getting to talk to all my friends and being like when are you gonna be around oh when are you gonna be around oh i'll get my hair done like all this ridiculous stuff that seems very small unless you think about the fact that three years ago i was planning it and it didn't happen because of you know national international like trauma summer. Um, and it just feels really good to be getting back to like a life of my own humans who I love. Like it's, it's um, yeah. Overdue. It was overdue to be overdue. I'm very well, excited. A couple of years you. ago, I went to see Stephen Colbert and John Baptiste was his uh, band person at the time. And then, like, after seeing John Baptiste live, I was like, I have like a strong urge to see jazz and per- more jazz in person. Is oh, it- yeah. Go to Jazz Fest. I was going to say, oh. so now do I want, like, is it worth it to go to New Orleans? Yes. For that? 
Yes. Now I I very specifically am am threading the needle in between Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest because <laughs> what I really want to see are like human beings in small groups where we can have deep conversations and hug each other a lot and like parades aren't the same thing. Uh, but no, Jazz <laughs> Fest is amazing. And okay. any you and anybody should be hitting up Jazz Fest. It's also not like exclusively kind of traditional jazz they there will be a whole array of genres lots of jazz the best jazz and some jazz adjacent stuff so yes highly recommend um it's one of my favorite places i've been i i don't know how many times that that's not something i would ever count um but it's been many years and uh yes it is it is happening that's well, exciting we'll you and we'll be jealous of your vacation yeah, okay, I'll jealous. send pictures. Yes, I've never take been lots to of New pictures. Orleans, so I would I would really like to go someday. I would someday. too. I'm I will go fun. again. I will <laughs> take you guys. Yes, please. I mm-hmm. it would, I mean it uh, low key, I would, it would be amazing cuz I'd be with someone who knows what they're doing and like knows knows the area like yeah. I, when I go to cities by myself I'm like, "Oh, I don't know anything." Um <laughs> no, it's... Yeah, having a guide would definitely help. Yeah. I'll hook you up. I'll take care of you. Linda, I think that your walk-off win might be uh, vacation-related as well. So No, it's not. I know it not? looks like it, but it's not. Because I did mention last week that um, I had tickets to another Broadway play, and it was Chicago. Oh, that's, that's Chicago. <laughs> I was like, I thought, you were, I thought that your walk-off win was like, we're going to Chicago, the city. You know, I would love to go to Chicago, the city, but I just went to New York City to see Chicago. Um, so I bought the tickets for my sister for Christmas and um, somehow my seat got upgraded. I don't know how because I bought row P and when the tickets got sent to me, it said row A. Oh my. Um, Yo, that's <laughs> an upgrade. So we were literally two rows back from the stage. <laughs> um, I've never sat that close to a stage ever in my life and I'll probably never sit that close ever again um but I was like hey we can go join the chorus right here (laughs) um but yeah Chicago it was always one of our favorites to see um but this was our first time seeing it on Broadway because we just knew the movie but uh I I love the music from the movie so we had to see it on Broadway um so yeah, it was. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Super Bowl Sunday for the day that I bought the tickets. Um, so it was a little hectic trying to get to. We bought the matinee. I had the matinee, so I was home in time to see the Super Bowl too. But it was kind of a little bit hectic. Um, but yeah, it was. It was good. It was great. Um, yeah, I would recommend going to see any Broadway. Because, again, even though we saw the understudies, they were all fantastic. You're never going to get a bad show whenever you go to Broadway. Um, so, yeah, that was a nice, that was a little nice prize that, you know, all of a sudden I was, the last year was just like, oh, yeah, follow me. And he just keeps walking, 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 walking. I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> Amazing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we all have a good time no matter where you sit, but I appreciated being in the second row. 
Yeah, that rules. The only time I ever sat that close um, for a Broadway show was um, I saw the original cast of Spring Awakening and I was in like the front row and that was like one of the best Broadway experiences of my life. It is really cool. I was like 16 and it was amazing. Because then like you can make eye contact with the actors and it's just it's like a whole different theater experience being up that close to them. Yeah, definitely. Um. My walk-off win this week um, is that I have an appointment on the books to get my next tattoo done. So I'm pretty hyped about that. Uh, It's pretty simple walk-off win. I don't have much to say. I just like, I I have three tattoos uh, and the most recent one I got was my Mets one, um, actually. Um, And I'm overdue for another one. And I did like, I, I get like really anxious about like, finding an artist that I trust because like, you know, that thing is going on your body forever. (laughs) So, um, you know, it, like I have trust issues when it comes to finding an artist and like, um, the, the same artist did like my first two tattoos when I still like lived at home. Um, but I, and then like, I got a New York based artist to do my Mets one, but I was like, I should find an artist who's like in this area, um, to do my tattoos moving forward. And I did like, months and months of like meticulous research and finally found um an artist whose work i like really vibed with who actually has a phd in biomedical sciences and like worked at the nih for a while so we had that in common um and he's done like a lot of like super nerdy science tattoos he's done a tree of life that looks a lot like the one that i have (laughs) um so i was like oh yeah this is the guy this is the guy for sure um so I was very excited. Do you um, know what you're getting? Yes. Um, I'm getting um, a tattoo from uh, BoJack Horseman, which is my favorite TV show. Um, it's a scene from BoJack Horseman. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. Um, and it was it's really funny because every like every dude in the shop, like when he heard like a BoJack tattoo, they were like, ha, that's amazing. <laughs> BoJack. <laughs> we love BoJack. We love Will Arnett. Um. So it was it was cool that people were psyched about it as I was. Um, so, yeah, that is my walk off win for this week. Um, but, yeah, uh, though, this is the last podcast where we will be uh, at Amazing Avenue. You can still find us at AmazingAvenue.com <laughs> uh, for now. <laughs> and you can follow Amazing Avenue on uh Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pot of their own and Instagram also at a pot of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petit PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Sarovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. So follow each of us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter. You'll be able to get updates about um, our new network, everything that's happening. Um, if you follow us on social media, you can find all that information there. I will have more information forthcoming um, about uh, our new website or all of that stuff. You will be able to um, find it. So um, be sure to keep an eye out for that. Um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. If you are subscribed to the show, you will have our show on the same feed that you've always had it um, come March 1st. So make sure you're subscribed. Uh, it's really important because then that's a way to keep the show in your feed even after we transition over um, to the new um, podcast network. So be sure to subscribe. And if you really like the show, please rate and review it um, on your app. 
Um, it really helps people find it. And we especially need that right now um, during this sort of transition period. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no crying in the podcast.